The scripture this morning comes from the book of John, 12th chapter, beginning with the 12th verse. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet with him that day was that they heard that he has done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. This is the blessed word of our Lord. You can be seated. Lord Jesus. I am so full. I am so full. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, because you have saved my life, brought me from the darkness into glorious light. And Lord Jesus, My Savior, my friend, my Redeemer, my very life. Today we get to embark on a journey through the last and what I am convinced was the longest week of your life. Thank you. Thank you for the word which from your great friend John preserves for us vivid details of that week between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, conversations, calls, invitations, teachings, a meal, Lord Jesus, thank you that we are privileged. And John recorded such detail so as to take us three months to cover this, this last week of your life. Lord, I, I must say to you, Having followed you now for 38 years, that just reading this section, birthed a love in me for you, that is indescribable. 
No one has ever cared for me like you. No one has ever done for me what you did and do. Please know that I, along with our team, will do our best to represent you well. Jesus, to make you proud, to honor you over these next few weeks. In your name we pray. And all God's people say, amen. The longest week, this week between Palm Sunday and Easter in the life of Jesus, we will jump into it this morning. And John has recorded such detail, such depth, will be finished by the end of June. What a journey. We are going to travel between John 12 and John 17 by the end of June. I'm so glad you're with me. If you're online, I'm so glad you're with us. I ask you if someone told you you had one week to live, how would you spend it? If you, if you, as you look at these clocks ticking on the wall back here, knew that these would rotate in full only seven more times, and on the seventh, your life would be over. How would you spend those seven days? We get to see how Jesus did it. We get to see how he spent those days, and we get to hear it from his beloved friend, John. John. Today, uh, we look into what we as Christians call Palm Sunday. It's the day where Jesus walked down the Mount of Olives, and as he did through the Kidron Valley, I've been there. He paused in the Garden of Gethsemane. He went through the Kidron Valley, through that eastern gate, uh, that path into the city. And we see a crowd respond to him. But the title of the sermon is a bit disappointing, Missing Jesus. Missing Jesus. I want to say something to you who are in the room and to you who are watching by YouTube or watching by Facebook or will later. It is entirely possible to be doctrinally knowledgeable, to be theologically astute, to be morally upright and miss Jesus. 
It is possible to attend church all your life, to go to every service and engage in all sorts of religious activity and miss Jesus. And this morning we discover some people who are caught up in a remarkable display of adoration, but they missed Jesus. Why? How? Uh, First of all, we miss Jesus when we value the kingdom over the king. When we value the kingdom over the king. The next day, I'll tell you what happened in the days prior in a moment, but the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Jesus' most amazing miracle was drawing all kinds of people to himself. Crowds were coming. He was gaining in popularity. This was perceived to be the pinnacle of his earthly life. So these people had this miracle in the back of their minds. They couldn't get over it, nor should they. Uh, Jesus had walked up to a tomb and spoken into it, and Lazarus came out of it alive. That was a remarkable day. And they took his grave clothes off and unbound him, and he lived again. So the people, celebrating that, anticipating this feast of Passover, these people took palm branches and laid them down in front of Jesus as he walked. And they cried out certain words. The palm branches were signs of victory in that day. That's what they meant. The word they cried out was Hosanna. That word simply means save us, save us. What we now know and what John knew when he wrote this gospel was that they wanted to be saved from others when they needed to be saved from themselves. They wanted to be saved from the Roman government who was crushing in on them when in fact the, their number one enemy was staring them back in the eyes. They even declared, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. So Jesus has a choice here, doesn't he? He can go find a stallion, find this war horse, get on that war horse and rally the troops, get people excited, march into Jerusalem when the city will be bustling with people because of Passover, get a following and overthrow Rome. That's his choice. He could do that. But what does he do? He sends for a donkey. Donkeys aren't regal. They're little. 
they don't stand tall. They're quite short. They don't exude strength. They appear to be weak. Why would Jesus, in the face of this remarkable opportunity to ascend to great power, to rise in the people's eyes and overthrow this oppressive Roman rule of this little slice of land called Israel, why, rather than get on a war horse, climb on a donkey? Well, John tells us, you see, it's easy to think that the New Testament was written in chronological order as it appears here, but it's organized by genres. The first four books are the Gospels. The book of Acts is, is history. Romans and thereon to the book of Revelation are letters from leaders of the early church and the book of revelation is apocalyptic it's future oriented the gospel of john was written after all of paul's letters paul most likely isn't alive when john writes he's old maybe in his 80s john was jesus's best friend he and jesus were tight Lest you lose sight of the fact that our Lord was a man like you and I, a person like you and I, he had friends, he had good friends, he had distant relationships with folks, and, Jesus, and John and Jesus were tight. John writes this about his friend who is also his Lord, and he writes it 50 years hence, uh, scholars believe, looking back and reflecting. And John, when he does, understands something now that when he was in that crowd didn't get. He sees something now that then he didn't. And he realizes that when Jesus sent to find the donkey and when he climbed on it and he rode into Jerusalem, that there was a passage in Zechariah that Jesus was fulfilling, 9-9. Nine, nine. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Zechariah writes, shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. Is he humble and mounted on a what, class? On a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey. It's not even full grown, is it? It's a childish donkey. Ignorant donkey. Why, Jesus, do you do that? Verse 16, back to John. John writes that the disciples, quote, did not understand this at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. I wonder if they read ahead uh, to the next verse in Zechariah. Nine. 
I wonder if they were having life group and they sat around and said, well, let's just dig in a little deeper. And verse 10 uh, says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. Jesus did come to make war. And the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations, plural. His rule shall be from sea to sea, and from the river, that would be the Euphrates, to the ends of the earth. You see these disciples, John and company, this crowd, whoever they may have been, thought if this guy can raise Lazarus from the dead, then he can rise to be king of Israel. And when he does, Rome will flee, and our little stretch of land right here, all will be well. We want him to be the king of our little kingdom. All will be well. But according to chapter to verse 10 of Zechariah 9, he's going to cut the battle bow. He, he's going to do away with the war horse, and he's going to speak speak peace to the nations, plural, not just to Israel. And his rule shall be from sea to sea. His rule will be all over the earth and from the river to the ends of the earth. They wanted war, Jesus' peace. They wanted local rule, Jesus' global rule. They wanted a war horse, Jesus, a young donkey. They missed him, didn't they? They missed him. They missed him. We miss Jesus when we value the kingdom over the king. Some of you, perhaps, have forged into a relationship that is ungodly, and you just wish that Jesus would sign the blank check you've written out. Some of you uh, perhaps are engaged in business practices that, that aren't quite legal, are unethical, and you hope that when you make the deal, Jesus somewhere can't see. We miss Jesus when we, we value the kingdom over the king. But secondly, we miss Jesus when we value the sign over the Savior. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. What does that mean? Look, look, that's the guy. He's the one who did it. There he is. That's what it means. Hey, there he is. There's that guy. Yeah, walked right up to that tomb. And when he did, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And there he came, waddling out. That's the guy. Crowds gather in to see. That's the guy. That's the guy. Ambulance chasers, right? That's who they are. Let, let me go see. Let me go see what's going on. I just want to see what's going on. And so the crowd gathers and it grows as word spreads. 
hits Twitter. Facebook blows up. It's everywhere. That's the guy. John writes, looking back years later, the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this what? This word is huge. He, he had done this what? This sign. Let's talk about signs for a little bit. All right? So if, if you're here and, and you're under 20, this may be hard, but back in the day, the only way you knew how to get somewhere was with what? Signs. You didn't ask your phone to get you there. No, you, you went this far, and then there was a sign, wasn't there? And it said 40 went that way. And, and then when you had to get off on 26, it said it went that way. And then whenever you got into the town, you, you followed signs. And now we, we follow a voice, don't we? But then signs. When I was in college, um, I went to Wofford in Spartanburg, and I was introduced to a place called The Beacon. Any of you eaten at The Beacon, by the way, and you live to tell about it? That's a good thing. All right, so I, I, I would say to you, uh, this is not healthy, and so we're going to dismiss the fact that we have a wellness ministry for a moment, but, uh, but you should road trip to Spartanburg at least once in your life to eat at the Beacon. The Beacon is that. Uh, what you see on your screen is just normal. That's not more than usual. That's usual. And you walk in and this, uh, this gentleman used to stand there, a black gentleman, just a neat guy. They've done great stories on him, and he was blind. He couldn't see you, but he would ask for your order, and you would uh, give him your order, and he'd yell it back through the restaurant. They never wrote it down, as I could see, and he'd say, uh, I mean, I always got chili cheese aplenty. And so I'd say chili cheese a plenty, and he'd yell chili cheese a plenty, and you move on back through. It's one of those restaurants, the only one I've ever seen, where the grease runs so much they throw sawdust down in the floor. And I'm not lying. Yeah, if you've been there, just kind of glance over the counter. There's sawdust everywhere to keep them from tripping. That's when you know it's good. All right? And so we would go there to eat just occasionally. Right, just occasionally. Uh, I saw something in the beacon once, and it was a picture of a sign that was in California. And that sign in California, somehow the people who owned the beacon knew somebody in California willing to put up a sign that said 2,000 plus whatever miles to the beacon. Uh, do you know what? Um, I've done a lot of crazy things in my life, but I've never eaten a sign. No, I, I, I've, I've never uh, looked at uh, a restaurant that I think would appear to be good and think, wow, what a nice sign. No, the sign just tells me what's coming next, doesn't it? That's, that's all a sign does. Signs simply point to what's coming, either directionally or with food, uh, destination. The only reason that an Orlando sign excites you is because of what you plan to do in Orlando. What they didn't know was that Lazarus' resurrection 
wasn't only for him. Jesus had a different resurrection in mind, didn't he? He had another one. And Lazarus resurrected. You say, how do you know? Well, so glad you asked. Let's jump into the story for a moment. You see, Jesus showed up in Bethany, which is just on the other side of the Mount of Olives, four days late. The Gospels record that. Mary and Martha are sisters of Lazarus. They're all friends of Jesus. Jesus had eaten with them. He and Lazarus are called friends. Uh, They had had meals together. And they sent word that Lazarus was sick, and they thought it was bad. Uh, John 11, 4 says, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. So Jesus knows that Lazarus is sick, but not enough to kill him. It's not enough to kill him. It's not going to kill him. Or will it? It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So Lazarus isn't sick enough to die, but we all know the story. Lazarus did what? He died. I'm about to share something with you that may make you like Jesus less. Jesus let Lazarus die on purpose. Wow. He did. Lazarus should not have died according to Jesus because his illness did not merit death. He died so that Jesus would be glorified. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he ran right over. Is that what the text says? No. He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That makes no sense, right? Somebody close to you is sick? Eh, I'll just hang out. Go eat me a bite. Do a little something over here. Go over there. I'll get to them eventually. Four days after getting the message, he finally arrives in Bethany, and he finds Martha and Mary. Martha approaches him. Because if you've ever studied Martha Mary, it's what she does. She says what everybody else is thinking. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You've said that, haven't you? Haven't you wondered where he was when you needed him most? Don't don't hide behind a potentially self-righteous attitude that that doubt has never crept into your mind. Martha continues, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. (laughs) That's laughable. You say, why? Because she's talking to God. That's why. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. 
And Jesus said to her, talking to him, I am the resurrection and the life. You don't have to wait until the last day to meet the resurrection and the life. The resurrection and the life have showed up in Bethany, standing in front of you. Martha, I have known you, had dinner with you, and you didn't know who I was. Wow. That's what he says. I could clear off a place and preach. This is what he said. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever, 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 that's if you're watching on Facebook, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're sitting in this place, I don't care how religious you are. I don't care how much you have it all together. I don't care if your life is a total mess. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Amen, church? We will live again. One of these days we'll rise up out of this place and live again. But I have news for you. I'm not waiting until the resurrection to live again. When I was a 15-year-old boy, unbeknownst to me, I was dying and going to hell. But on a Tuesday night, God in his grace reached down to me, made me aware of that. And I've been living ever since. Ever since I've been living, I've been enjoying him. I've been less than perfect. Oh, so much less than perfect. Ask Wendy. That's the truth. But wow, I've been living ever since. Whoever believes in me, though he die yet, shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's what Jesus asked. This is the last week of his life. The resurrection of Lazarus was only a sign pointing to the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus let him die. If your name is resurrection and life, and we're about sing about this, then death won't hold you down. Resurrection does not know how to be anything else but what? Resurrection. Life doesn't know how not to live. If our team could come on. Martha was looking at the resurrection, talking to the resurrection, and asking the resurrection for resurrection. And resurrection looked at her and said, here I am. You see, when Jesus walks into your tomb, you're coming out alive. Period. You say, well, what may be in my tomb? Addiction. You're coming out alive. What may be in my tomb? Adultery. You're coming out alive. What may be in my tomb? Abuse. You're coming out alive. When he walks into your tomb, when life comes in, life takes over, whatever it may be. When Jesus walks into your tomb, I promise you, you'll come out alive. I promise you, you'll come out different than when he came in. I promise you that he will be to you and in you and through you everything you've ever needed and wanted. So what does that mean for some of you? 
Next Sunday, you ought to walk into those waters of baptism and say, I am going down an old person and coming up anew. You ought to let us know that when this service is over, put me in the water. I want to be baptized. I want to say to Christ, I am yours. Let's sing. We've sung this song once, but something tells me it's going to have a little bit more meaning in this round. Let's worship.
heads for just a moment. Bow your heads. This moment is both glorious, celebratory, and quite serious. If you are at home and you're watching, either live or later, and you don't know Jesus, and you cannot sing with Catherine, thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has bought me life. Brought me life. If you can't sing that, if there is a space that you're trying to fill with pleasures and people and things, then please look and listen. Every person in this room who knows Jesus is rooting for you. Every person in this room who walks with Jesus desires you to do the same. But Jerry, how can I? A simple prayer, same if you're in this room. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. I know that you died for my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I'm so sorry. Today, come into my life and take over. Today, I believe that your blood can cover my sin. And if you will do that, today, Jesus will become your Lord and Savior. We have folks waiting to hear from you, waiting to celebrate with you. If you have done so in this room, we have folks waiting in the room to your left to hear from you. And church, for all who have done that this morning, let's celebrate right now. Yes, for all who have trusted Christ. Aren't you excited about this series? get to journey with him. Good Friday, we'll do the same. Next Sunday, we'll do it again. On Easter Sunday, and this series will continue all as we go. Where's Adrian? There you are.